Brother Dennis referenced this uh, session yesterday during his message, and he, perhaps better than any of us here, can relate to not the entire spectrum of history at Bible school, but maybe about as close as we're going to get. And I appreciate what he shared. When I consider the faithful brothers and, and sisters who shared here, who worked here, who represent the foundations of the institution of Maranatha Bible School, and more than an institution, part of the movement, I believe, then my experience seems pretty shallow when I think about those that have served pretty recent, more like recent news than history. No fake news. So the title is 40 Years of Joy and Tears. Based on my observations and experience, I would say that 40 years of Bible school involves a good portion of both. There is joy. There's been much joy. But there have been tears. And not only tears of sorrow, there have been tears of joy. And I'm thankful for that. As Brother Dennis was sharing some reflections yesterday, some experiences, I was flooded with memories. And for me, and I wish this was true for all of you, um, I wish you could share in this. For me, there were faces. And it was a, it was a special experience when I thought about that brought clarity to the tears of joy. And I'm going to share a little more about that later. While we are asking several brethren, number of brethren, to uh, share their reflections and their memories of Bible school, I believe I speak for all of them when I say that we understand our responsibility to give you a glimpse into, into the work here, and we've had a special opportunity to be part of that. What happens inside the walls of Maranatha, not during ministers' meetings, but during Bible school. But in all of that, hear me clearly, and I take you back to Glenn's topic yesterday, our intention, and my intention, is to exalt the man and his movement, rather than the machinery that can become part of Bible school. I believe that the work of the Bible school has been more than machinery. It's been enabled. It's been driven by the Holy Spirit. I've seen it work. I've seen him at work. I've seen, I've seen the machinery work in such a way that I knew it wasn't just machinery. And I'm grateful for that. But I've also seen it hasn't always worked perfectly. And that's probably because I'm involved at times. And I, I've learned so much from my involvement here, and I'm thankful for that. We regret that some of our most experienced staff members can't be here today. And that number was further diminished when Brother Delmer and Brother Wendell needed to leave, and of course we wouldn't have wanted any other way for them to be with family. So this might be shorter than first planned. That's okay. But I think I'm going to also open it up to others who weren't specifically asked. Maybe you haven't served here as long, but you have some reflection you'd like to share. I'll, I'll give you an opportunity for that later, too. When we began to pull this together, we started with some of those who have served as principals or deans or instructors the longest. And uh, unfortunately, most of them can't be here. You, you've heard from Brother Dennis. Um, you all think of Brother Dennis as business administrator, I do too, he walks the hall with jingling keys, but on top of that, what was it, Dennis, another 18 years as a principal or teacher or dean, something like that, 20, before you were business administrator, seven years, oh, you're not as old as I thought you were. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you anyway. And you have opportunity to share more later if you want as well, Dennis. While I think of it, um, because I'll probably forget later, I just want to publicly thank Dennis and Mary Sue for all the work they put into in preparing for these meetings. We move in, we move out, and we leave dirt in the halls and probably some forgotten clothes and whatever all happens. And in... 
four weeks, Bible school begins. So bless them with your encouragement and words as you think of it. Brother Howard Bean, I asked him, 35 years of service, if I have it right, couldn't come. Brother Dan Schrock, um, just returned from, where are you, Eric? Just returned from Israel, is that right? And uh, unable to be here. 31 years, I believe, that Brother Dan served here, and I learned much from him. Brother Wendell is planning to share, 25 years of service. Also unable to be here, Nelson Showalter, 23 years, I think. Sam Troyer at 17, and Nolan Byler at 16. So those are the people that have really seen what's going on around here. When I go through all that experience and seniority, then the rest of us are just kind of like rookies around here, and we still have a lot to learn. In light of that, I'm grateful that Brother Pete Peters could at least be here, and uh, he represents a little more history than some of the rest of us. If I'm not mistaken, 12 different years that you were here, I think. So plus a decade or Decade of board service on top of that, I think, probably. Yeah. Either way, Brother Pete, invite you to share. I haven't taken a lot of time to do a lot of reflecting because so much of my life in coming into the conservative church has uh, included Maranatha Bible School. Maybe I should share a memory that precedes that. I still remember being in this building the first time. And uh, it was Maranatha Bible School at that time, but the occasion was not Maranatha Bible School. It was 1980, and I had uh, just taken my first teaching assignment in Manitoba. My wife and I had just left the comfortableness we had known in the churches that we were part of, or church we were part of, moved into a, a new community, new to us, and... Uh, Moved in on a Saturday, and that evening I had to leave for Michigan for teacher training with Christian Light Education. And I found out that there was such a thing as conservative Mennonites. Uh, up to that point, I had heard about these kind of people, but I didn't know them. I had no encounter with them. Now, this was in Michigan in a beachy setting where I took my training with CLE. And... Uh, that, of course, has been our, our life since, coming into a church setting, conservative setting like what we are now. But it was in the fall of 1980 that Christian Light also began its workshop program. and It's interesting, I'm, I'm still connected with that. Just returned from the last trip we just did in Mexico here, just before Thanksgiving. And I believe the very first workshop that Christian Light ever had was held here. And I was here with a suit and tie. And all the... Just getting into this world of conservative Mennonitism, which I knew nothing about. Never, know, never dreaming that one day... I would teach here. One day we would move here. One day I'd be on the board, be involved in administration, see all my children go through Bible school here, and uh, just be, be, be part of what I consider a movement, not a machinery. <clears throat> I cannot really imagine what our life as family would be like if you would take Maranatha out of the equation. I just don't know. I just don't know. It has centered so much around, much of it around Maranatha. <clears throat> I don't want to go to a lot of history, but as I reflect, being rather shocked 
when I was asked to teach school here, teach Bible school, 1991. I'm probably going to be looking at a little bit more, not so much from a teacher perspective. I've done that a fair bit. I've enjoyed that. I enjoy that immensely. I'm looking more from the administrative and board perspective. Those earlier years as a teacher, of course, Maranatha has been a, a work in progress, a work in growth. I say one of the blessings, one of the joys that I have seen is the, the board making, making it possible and making it comfortable that staff families could be here, not just brethren in coming to teach. I taught here two year, two terms without my family here. We could have been here, but it, uh, of course, it, it, there wasn't, there weren't the, the facility, this situation weren't as conducive as they are now. And then the third year, I, my family did come and I still remember my children saying, Daddy, you're never going alone again. Because they enjoyed it so much. I'm going to say this tribute to probably the person that knows about Mary Manatha here the longest, that's Sister Leona. Our children have tremendous memories of Brother Arnie. And one of them is his put-put tractor. Clearing snow. And just Brother Arnie's, just the kind of man Arnie was. If you didn't know Arnie, you've missed something. And we still miss him. Arnie and Leona have done a lot for Maranatha. Maybe in later years we haven't seen as much of it because of their age and retirement and then Arnie's passing. But they were very, very, very much involved. I'd like to just pay tribute to their, to their involvement. <clears throat> in fact, our congregation here at Prairie is basically part and parcel of Maranatha. That's why it's here. Or grew together, let's put it that way. It's been such a blessing. As I reflect on the way the Lord blessed, looking at more from a board perspective, the impact that the sudden deaths of four young people in Ontario made on us, and some of them had just been here a few weeks before. I believe I was a teacher at that time. I was, I think, on the board at that time, too. And just a bit like today, the reality of, of active young people gone and who had been influenced here, who had been touched here not that long ago, before that. That's something that sticks out to me in, in, in my time here. Probably the things, maybe if I look, I wouldn't call it tears, but a lot of hard work. I went into the 1996 changes that we made of changing the curriculum from a four, three-week term to a two, three-week and a one, six-week term. <coughs> Um, that was I don't think we as a board realized at that time how much this would take to make this change um, there was a lot of work involved in our whole system of courses a lot of that had to be adjusted to make it happen and yet and then of course with the with this initiation of a tour program. I still remember that tour. It was to Mexico, and I had the chance of being the tour director. I was not on staff that year. I was on the board. I came in here for the 
final program of that term. There was also a graduation of a number of young people from Bible school at that time. The next day we set out on a bus. We had to change buses yet because the bus couldn't show up. And so that means we had to cancel the program and drive all night. People sleeping in all kinds of fashions on a bus. And quite a few that were young people just as pumped as they were. And I was sitting there. I still remember, Pete, what did you get yourself into? <laughs> but here we were. Needed to go. <clears throat> I don't know how many of you remember that story of us getting into Mexico. And me insisting that we get turistas. And the bus driver just keeping us moving because we were already late and we didn't have turistas and I was worried about this thing and I get to the Mennonite communities down there he says oh no, no, no you can travel without turistas you'll be fine you'll be fine and so I was rather reassured till we get back to the checkpoint 20 kilometers out of the border your soldier comes out and finds out we doesn't have turistas and and we had an escorted ride. And uh, I remember Brother Ellis Berry, I believe it was. No. Was it him? Myself being hauled in and first getting chewed out and a mixture of Spanish and English, whatever that then was. And he wanted $100 from all 40, some of us, I says, uh, we probably had that kind of money on the bus, but that would have le left us rather lame, and I wasn't going to go there. I've been in Mexico before, and so I knew that this this would probably be the time of bartering and bartering and bargaining. <clears throat> and so I just uh, was rather stubborn, and and he finally says, "Why why don't you go and find out what you can get?" And I didn't want to go there either. Because he, then he knew that there would be something available. And uh, Ellis turning to me. After a while, the officer left, and I thought, oh, oh, now, now we're in trouble because now he's going on the bus. I'm so glad for Brother Dan, Schrock, and some of the others, they have been determined. We're going to do nothing but pray, we're going to say nothing but pray. And when these officials come on the border, we're going to just sit there. We'll do nothing because Pete's going to tell us what to do. Because he's got this figured out, we don't. <laughs> and I didn't. Well, the fellow came back off the bus and he didn't have any, any, any better solution because he didn't get anything out of the man either. And Ellis, in the meantime, asking me, he says, uh, what if they put us in jail? I made a rather bold statement to him. He says, then let them because they won't keep 40 of us there very long. <laughs> Finally, I went onto the bus to a bunch of very, if you ever see us, seen subdued Bible school young people, I had them right there. They, they were frightened. They would have emptied their pockets of the last penny at that point. I wasn't that afraid because... This wasn't my first time in that country. I says, I want just a little bit of change. I don't want a lot. And they were, no, I says, I don't want 20s. I don't want that kind of money. Just stuff. That's all. Well, we had several hundred dollars that we collected. And then uh, bringing it in. Oh, yeah, that'll be good. And then, but then Ellis stepping up to the plate. Of course, he had been in Puerto Rico long enough. He says, I want you to take me to a bank. And I want to see the account where this money goes into. No, no, they could take care of it. No, he says, you don't get this money. I'm going with you to the bank. I'm depositing it. Hmm. Well, that means that they didn't have a party that evening either. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis, you were along on that trip, were you not? Arnie was along on that trip. There was a bunch of us on that trip. That's right. That, that, that's right. 
And I wasn't too worried. But anyway, I still remember when we crossed the border, I don't think I had young people who were more happy to see America. <laughs> and some of them vowed they never wanted to go back. We've been back since. We've been back since. It was, I think, those were learning experiences uh, for, for young people. They were. I think it, it taught them to appreciate some things from a different perspective that they were not used to. Of course, been to Mexico since. I could ramble on and on. Been blessed when the Bible school gave an open invitation to us as a family to relocate here and to be part of the administrative staff and the the wonderful time that our our family enjoyed living in Minnesota. Of course, the disappointment when we could not stay longer because of our, our permits expiring. But then also the privilege of having Bible School welcome Joanne and me again when we were able to make green card application and spending a summer here in 2014 um, just being part of the summer staff here. I could go to a lot of highlights, a lot of things. And um, maybe I will say this. Every class has had its teaching moments. It's had its moments of humor. It's had its moments of joy. It's had its moments of disappointment. And I would echo what was said yesterday. I still feel that one of the strengths that Maranatha has had, especially in the years that I've been able to be here, is that there's a strong staff-student relationship. It's been very positive. I think that has helped not just for good connections, that has helped for, for spiritual input and spiritual growth. And uh, I want to close. But there's two other highlights. One was the reality of 2008 tour to Europe, which I hope can, can be done sometime again. Not for the tour value, but for the learning experience that it was. And secondly, and this again, reflecting on maybe from a board perspective, I've just finished 10 years on the board now, 10 years in total. I've sat on many boards and committees and committee meetings and so on elsewhere. I must say I've always come to Maranatha board meeting and left Maranatha board meeting blessed every time. I think that has helped make Maranatha part of a movement instead of a machine. God bless you. Don't get too hung up on him saying it was so much fun. It was fun, obviously, but it was a turning point. I know that young man personally, and uh, I'm excited about where he's at. Another one. MBS was a time of social development and spiritual growth. Four years later, I still think about the things I've learned there. I believe my experience with MBS directly, directly impacted my preparation to serve and my effectiveness while serving at Faith Mission Home two years later. Thank God for Maranatha Bible School. Another one who went on to serve, uh, I believe, five years on the mission field. Maranatha was where I began to understand that ministry is a lifelong calling for every Christian. It's also where I really started to believe that God answers prayer because I saw him answer many of our prayers throughout the term. That was a special year, and that comes from a very godly young person. I'm con I could go on. I have many. I will read a few more. But at this time, Brother Ray Hoover. I have enjoyed the privilege of working with Brother Ray. He brings a, I'm not sure how many years it was we were here together, four or five, I think. He brings a steady stability to my, I was going to say emotional instability. That sounds a little rough, but <laughs> I need someone like Parker. <laughs> oh, good morning. I've been blessed to be here this week and 
this morning and um, you go through a week like this and you just feel like you you feel like you are filled to the top and um, wonder how much you can retain and apply of what you've heard. It's just the little nuggets, I think, sometimes that stick with me and in thinking of Maranatha Bible School and helping here. The one that I really was struck with was Brother Dwayne the first evening saying, the Mennonite heresy of all you do is sow the seed and then you leave it in God's hands. But it just struck me that, you know what, my service here sometimes has ended up being that way. We do want to see the, the, the seed come to fruition. That is the joy of, of Maranath, and I concur with Dave. When you see faithfulness in the lives of students that sat here ten years ago, that is the great joy. I know no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth, my blood children, but it works at Maranatha as well. No greater joy than to see faithfulness. The verse that came to my mind when I thought of this is Galatians 4 and verse 19. My little children, of whom I travail and birth again until Christ be formed in you. Until I travail and birth again. I've never been in labor. But I understand what he's saying, the travailing in birth as we walk through our, with our children those difficult times and here at Maranatha Bible School. They come to us with the new birth experience. I, we kind of assume that, maybe too much. But then they're in that process of formation and transformation. And we play just a little piece of that and. Christ being formed in, in them, helping them along the way. Um, and it truly isn't over until it's over. You know, I, one of the things I, in third term classes, the last two times, I gave them the opportunity at some point to tell about their salvation experience. And the last time I did that, there were a, at least two students that could not point to a place where this is where I was saved. They said, I know I'm saved. I've, I've said yes to God, and I've made commitments, and I, I have assurance of salvation, but I can't point to a place. And I think that's okay. I'm, that's okay because salvation isn't about the new birth. Ex I mean, it is. That's important, but it's where am I today, and that's why it brings such joy to see faithfulness. And, and there are some of you here this morning, students that, Brother Joel, I had the privilege of being involved in his ordination a couple years ago, and Sam and Sarah and probably others here, that just tremendous blessing and joy. Jeannie and I spent a little bit of time flipping through the yearbooks last evening, and it just seemed like the faces popped out that had fallen out along the way. And Sometimes those, we spend more time or focus on that more than the, the joy. But I just want to mention uh, a couple of specific uh, students and Tyler, I never was here with him, but again, his he's in a place of perfection. And there are other students. Marlita Histon, 2017, she was here probably 13, 14, and 15, sat right here and always clear face and soaking it in. She was probably didn't come encumbered with the academic uh, abilities so much, and but so you knew it was from the heart and just her faithfulness and testimony and uh, cancer diagnosis and and um, passed away this spring. There's another student, Lenora Lowen, 
and I wasn't here when she was. Jeannie was matron when she was here, and she usually encourages the girls in one of their prayer talks with, I understand that it's common practice to trim the hair and, and uh, make it easier to put up, and she encourages them the shame of cutting the hair. And, and this girl, a couple of days afterwards, came to Jeannie and said, you know, I've just been convicted. I'm... I want to make a commitment to not cut my hair anymore. And then it was a couple years after that that Jeannie and I had the privilege of sitting at the table with this girl's parents after she had learned she had cancer and just within a short time was gone. And she said that... um, while they were caring for her, there was a brain tumor, and I don't know that she was in a coma, but wasn't uh, responding anymore or couldn't. And, and helping care for her, they thought it would be easier to trim her hair. And so they did that, and her mother, after the girl passed away, read in her journal that this commitment she had made at MBS to not cut her hair. And that's understandable. We understand the practical, you know, and I don't think she needed to feel guilty about but the girl had been faithful to that commitment. There was another girl that um, Jeannie talked about that um, interviewed at the end of the term, and she always asked them, anything that you would like to change at Maranatha? And this girl expressed her appreciation for the machinery, the structure. She said, I, didn't, I don't get a lot of that at home, but I've just felt so safe here with the guidelines. And, the, and that should come as encouragement to us. Relationships, you know, we, we understand the hormones and, and the don't do it while you're here, but it is a... It is really encouraging for those who good students, and then you see them coming together in marriage later on. Jeannie and I were just in, invited to a wedding end of October. We were sorry that it didn't work to go, but excellent student Marlise Miller, been here several years, graduated 2015, and Mike Anderson, fine young man. Last time he was here, I think he took full load of five classes, is that four classes? Okay. A plus in all classes and just and then went to serve in Puerto Rico and now they're married and serving the Lord together. Another young couple I just heard about recently and some of you had way more impact on their lives than I did, but Kendrick Helmuth and Andrea Fry understand that they're engaged to be married, Dave and Sherry's. Um, And then one more um, young lady that was here in um, 2008 and 9, and uh, Jeannie had the privilege of being matron while she was here. They developed a friendship and that followed after Bible school. And so this girl went to visit friends in Indiana and called up Jeannie while she was there, can we get together? And they sat down and had coffee. And it's not long after that that Jeannie had heard that this girl's parent, uh, mother had passed away. And uh, she wanted to come for the funeral but couldn't, but made a point of coming a couple months later and spent some time with with the young lady. And then... Five years after that, this young lady came to her dad and, and said, you know, my sisters and I were were talking and talking about, you know, what it would be like if you would get married again and how difficult that would be. But if it would be Jeannie Hirschberger, that we think that would, maybe that would work out. So I'm here with my wife, Jeannie Hirschberger, and my daughter, Kelsey, and her experience at Maranatha was instrumental. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Ray. That seems to have worked out quite well.
Now, that was a memory I didn't think of until I got up here. Ray's usually pretty steady. But a few months before they got married, Jeannie came to visit, and I have never, up till that point, I had never seen Ray that happy at Bible school. <laughs> it was a very, very good afternoon. A few more testimonies from students. From a young man that I took a long walk with. He made some good choices. MBS helped me to realize that I need to act on what I know before God will give me further direction. He is now in Guatemala. Maranatha Bible School drastically changed my life by providing a healthy atmosphere to grow spiritually. This was accomplished by solid teaching from the Bible as well as time set apart from normal life in order to study, listen to the Word, focus on spiritual things, and through it all, get to know God better personally. I think there's an important point there. He says, setting apart, uh, time set apart from normal life in order to study. It takes tremendous discipline to spend. You could, you could, in theory, do this amount of studying at home in the midst of normal life, but it doesn't happen very often. So the time set apart, it's, it's helpful. Another young man. MBS was a tremendous blessing to me, being able to study, make friendships, and discuss things openly and honestly with others like never before. It has left a change and impact on my life that I cannot forget. God bless. Maranatha was a huge blessing in my life and helped me to grow tremendously in my Christian life. It's, a, its influence still continues in my life and who I am and also friends that I met there continue to bless my life as well. Thank you for providing the opportunity to have a Bible school like this to study at. Mike Martin couldn't be here, but he wrote some comments, and I will read them now. My MBS memories are many and fond as I consider the various years Renita and I have served along with our family. I can remember the nervous excitement of preparing to serve at Maranatha for the first time as dean of men. Wendell had been the long-standing dean, and to think during his absence I would need to fill a role he had served for years seemed intimidating to say the least. I can remember my apprehension beginning to subside when I arrived at Bible school and was greeted with the helpful and gracious spirits of Pete and Howard who were in administration that year. Since that day, I rejoice to say that my experiences at Maranatha, working with various staff over the years, has been a tremendous blessing in my life. I can't speak for the students regarding their experiences of growth at Maranatha, but I can speak for mine. As a young minister working on staff at Maranatha, I learned many valuable things. I observed and was able to work under experienced administration as they worked with thoughtfulness and love to handle difficult and sensitive situations that arose at Bible school. I remember the meaningful discussions in the teacher study as I was able to bounce tough questions off seasoned instructors. Bible school's primary objective is not to develop ministers, nor should it be. But let's not forget that just as students walk away from MBS and share their excitement over what God has done in their lives, there are also young ministers who pack their bags after a term of service and are more equipped and more deeply inspired to serve their local church back home. I share this as an encouragement to young ministers who may be asked to fill a role and is questioning whether it's worth the sacrifice or maybe feels inadequate for the job. Not only will you help young people grow, you will grow. I'm Brother Mike Martin. And I... I wanted to read that for a reason. It's something I've thought of many times, and I just I feel he said it well. Some of the the best and hardest lessons I've learned have happened because of involvement here. I it's really not because of Bible school. It's because of time in the Word being willing to face tough challenges for the kingdom work and God's spirit. But he showed me things about myself here that I'm not sure I would have learned anywhere else. And I'm grateful for that. He's, he's used it to, to uh, 
I guess sanctify is the word, to cleanse, to, to prepare me. And I, I am grateful for that. I'd like to read a few more testimonies and then Brother Glenn Hurst. From one who is now a pastor's wife. And it's not Becky, but is she still here? <laughs> it was another student that is attending. God used those weeks at Maranatha, being absolutely saturated in the word, surrounded by godly examples of staff and peers speaking into my life, to lay a firm foundation for my faith and to solidify my convictions in so many ways that has changed my life. Sorry, I'm just looking for one more here. I'll find it and share it later. Brother Glenn. Good morning to each of you again. It is certainly uh, hesitated to share here because of my inexperience at Bible school. I can't speak too much about 40 years. been involved some in the last 10 years, I guess, uh, over different terms. We weren't here for all of those years. Before I share some of my memories, Nelson Showalter asked me to share uh, something on his behalf to you. He would have liked to remain here and be here. He just wanted to emphasize and echo something that Dennis had shared and I think others have said as well. What he feels has been a great strength of the Bible school here is the student-staff relationships. And he specifically wanted me to share with you and I thought Wendell would be here to hear this as well, and I think that would have been okay, but he wasn't, or isn't, maybe because of this. But one example, and there's many others who would exemplify this as well, but Wendell specifically, the students could feel the love of God flowing from him. And it made him effective in, in what he was doing. They never questioned how much he cared about them and how much he wanted to see them succeed. And it's from that depth of love for them that he approached every situation that he faced here and there were some tough things they went through. That's from Nelson and he, he wanted me to share as well. There's a man filling the role of principal this year, Brother Eric, that has the same quality. The young people know he loves them. And that's a tremendous basis to work from in uh, the student-staff relationship. I thought I'd share a, a couple of scriptures that I've shared in the years I've been involved in administration with the staff here. This verse has been shared already. Uh, Colossians 1, this has been what I have shared to the staff as our goal for the purpose of Bible school and what we are trying to do here in the time we have. We have students come, and they come, it feels sometimes increasingly with more baggage, and, and that's, I suppose, a product of the world we live in. But our goal, verse 28 of Colossians 1, talking about Christ whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That's why we labor here at Bible school. That's what we're doing and in First Peter, I won't take the time to turn to it, but it's the verse there talking about being born again by the seed of the Word of God in our hearts. And what happens here at Bible school is not some magic formula because of this place, not something uh, that couldn't be happen anywhere else. It's very simple. We capture the students here and we put them under the Word of God for three weeks, six weeks, whatever the term may be, and you cannot leave this place the same after you've spent three weeks here in the time of the Word and fellowship and relationships. You just, If you're going to come and try to remain the same, you're going to have a miserable experience at Bible school because you're resisting the work of God. The power of God through the Word of God, that is what is happening here. I've often thought too, and it's been shared, I think maybe even Pete, Peters had shared it the first year I was here as a trembling young man trying to fill the role of a teacher, rubbing shoulders with 
men like Jim Gehring and Nelson Showalter and wondering what in the world am I doing here? But he talked about the words in Ezra. Several times this phrase is in the book of Ezra. The hand of our God was upon us. And I, I can say that from testimony that that is the way it is when you serve here on staff. The hand of our God is upon us. It enables us and takes us through. I thought about some memories and I don't want to take a lot of time but there is a lot of stories that could be shared, and I thought I would just share a few, give you a bit of a glimpse into some of the things that happen here at Bible School. Uh, first of all, I'd like to think about a young man that I met first in 2008. and I'm not going to share his name, but he, uh, he didn't have much uh, spiritual depth at all in 2008. I met him there and had him in one of my classes, and we were working, the school here was working with him, praying for him much. just seemed like he didn't care too much about spiritual things. He cared about having fun. That's about the depth of his life. The following year, he came back as a student in 2009, and he was a different man. And he, I, I was just amazed. He had turned into a mature, uh, spiritually-minded young leader. In, in a year's time, and I'm not saying the Bible school is what initiated that. I don't know exactly how that happened, but I praise God for the change that I saw. We saw that at different times with different people. There's also some very difficult things that, that happen. And I remember Kelsey Hoover being here as a student. I'm not exactly sure what year that was, but it was the year that her mom was dying of cancer. And I was teaching a class on apologetics, Christian apologetics. And we were grappling with the subject of evil in the world and of suffering and why. And, you know, you can have all the right answers in the textbook, questions and all that stuff. But having her as a student with, at that class, with her mom at home on her deathbed, you know, we can't just teach ideas here at Bible school. We've got to grapple with them down to how they apply to people's lives. And I, you know, I spend a lot of time praying and, and thinking and trying to share those truths in a sensitive way that people can understand them and still believe them and grab a hold of them when we don't feel them. And it was a blessing having her in the class. And she was very open in the class and on a personal level as well because she was living it. And I changed it. Those are the experiences we have here. I can think of another case where, I don't remember what year it was exactly, but I was principal here. We had three relatives from Tennessee and one of their cousins back home committed suicide we got the news here and you know they're here away from their parents away from their families and and we are all they have for family i don't know how to respond to someone whose cousin committed suicide i don't know how to do that and I, i'm sure i didn't do anything wise or well but i they left out of the school they needed some time alone i said that's fine I was concerned about them, just what they're thinking, where their mental state is at. They went for a walk. I let them go for a while. And then I walked out and I found them. And I just walked with them. You know, this is life. And we walk life with these young people here at Bible school. And I've, I've had this discussion with some people and I, I, maybe my vision is off and you can correct me, but I... Some would feel strongly that this is a school and we have to emphasize the academic part of the school. And No, that's not how I view Maranatha Bible School. The academic part is simply a place and a way to bring them into the realities of the Word of God. But when we really have impact in their lives is when we walk life with them and we apply the principles of the Word of God to life. Just this... In the last few years, I teaching youth in life, we have one class where we talk about the relationship with parents. And this young lady came to me in tears after the class. 
And she said to me, what do you do if your father is always angry with you? What do you do? What do you say to that question? I asked her a few questions because I was trying to give my mind time to think, if nothing else. I asked her, what is he angry about? Is it something that, you know, is he responding to something you did or didn't do that he's feeling anger about? No, he's just angry. Just always angry. Reacts to me angrily. And one of the things that we always struggle with and we want to be so careful with here as staff is that we protect relationships back home. I, it would be easy in some of the situations we face here to drive wedges between students and their home churches and their parents, and that's the last thing we want to do. So I asked this young girl, I said, well, have you talked to your ministry about this? Because it's, you know, I can try to help from a thousand miles away, but it's so much more powerful when it comes from the local area. She looked me in the eye and she said, my dad is the bishop. What do you do next? This is life. And this is the, the reality of what we face. And I don't know what the right thing is to do next. I suppose in a measure, what I didn't do is protecting the machinery instead of the mission and the man. You think that's true? I can think of other instances where we receive, I especially can think of a couple young ladies that spend time with my wife, and she would not in any way want me to say this, but she's such a godly woman, you can't help but become more godly when they're around her. And I know she spent a lot of time with both of these young girls who had a lot of baggage, some very difficult experiences in their lives. And you felt, when you leave the Bible school, often you feel like, well, what was accomplished? It still feels like they're floundering. But to get a, you know, a Christmas card or in a letter, five, six, seven years later, the picture of their family and their and they're writing a letter to my wife about how excited they are about life and their role as a mother and their role as a wife and how God has changed them and how they just look back with such fond memories and such meaningful time spent here. It makes it worth it. And it's what is powerful. I think of the many times we've faced discipline situations you know, the hormones has been mentioned many times, and we don't always know how to handle that. I recognize it's going to happen, but there's times where there's young men floating around here that act more like rutting bucks than they act like young men. And what do you do? Hey, their dad's not here. They're, someone needs to call them up short, and so you, you bring these men in. You talk to them. Sometimes you talk to them two or three times and it seems like nothing changes. And I always ask myself the question, what would I want, if this was my child, what would I want the, the principal to do? What would I want them to do? And in each case, I will try to sit them down and carefully explain my thought process of why I'm, why I'm making an issue of this. You know, I, I don't want them to have a miserable experience here at Bible school. But, but it's like Dennis said, people don't act normal here. <laughs> you can't tell anything here. And I, I've been fortunate to this point in my very limited experience in administration that the students generally have responded well to that approach. And I'm just trying to be a godly example to them and a, and a mentor to them. What is a Bible school meant to me? Uh, I feel so much like what Mike just shared. I won't repeat all of those same things, but I would not be the same minister that I am today if I hadn't spent time here at Maranatha Bible School. I know that. The, the effort and the struggle and the study that it takes to prepare for class after class after class, that, that is a good discipline. And to be able to spend time here with men like Pete Peters and Ray Hoover and Dan Schrock and Wendell Schrock and Joe, Jim Gehring and, and just the list goes on and on. You can't help but learn. 
and it's been so good and I've so much enjoyed it and there have been so many instances where you spend time preparation and preparing to share whether it's in a chapel message or a, a guy's prayer circle or in a class setting and, and the joy and excitement that you feel when when the lights come on in the students' minds and you can tell they actually got it. That is so fulfilling and I've been humbled to tears many times that God will use this vessel to be able to communicate truth. What a privilege. And I you know, I just want to say in closing to to all of you involved, you know, to my home ministry, one of them here, just thank you for the privilege of coming to share here. To all of you as a body, thank you for allowing me to be here and to and supporting us and, and your words of encouragement over the years. It's not a magical place because of magical people or a magical building, but there is something very special that happens here at Maranatha Bible School. And may we continue to keep it pure. God bless. Next one gripped me. I don't think I've seen this student since 2009. This was one of those problem students. I pitied her dean. I won't get into details of what happened because someone might identify her and I won't go there. But this one, as I look back, was crying out for help and I think I wondered at the time if she got it. Here's what she said. I came to MBS as that was something my parents really encouraged me to do. I was struggling in every area of my life. I was angry, rebellious, and giving up hope. Through my studies and some of the people I met, I found the beginning. I found the beginning of a desire to truly know God and to walk with Him. In a very dark time of my life, God used my time at Maranatha to give me hope and a vision of something better and to guide me to a living, growing relationship with Him. That one, it stirred me because I found it easy to get frustrated at that student. I thought, that one's got some problems. And I just, I guess as I look back, probably didn't care enough. Another one. I went to Maranatha to get away from home. Instead, I ran smack into an in-depth study of the Word of God. It started me on a journey of seriously getting to know Him and seeing who God was in other youth and adults. It made me want a relationship with Him, sorry, with God more than ever. It was a huge part of me bringing, up, I'm sorry, it was a huge part in bringing me back into God's arms. Another one came from one of them circles that, that Glenn referred to that it, it would have been easy to drive wedges because of the home church situation. At Maranatha, I saw my first glimpse of how biblical authority should be shown and used. I've learned that those in authority should not be worshipped or feared, but walked alongside of. Thank you so much for your example. The list could go on. I have more. I won't read them. I'll give opportunity to anyone else who'd like to share. Eric, Brother Tony. My first uh, connection with Maranatha Bible School all was in 82, 83, when uh, we left Oregon and not sure where we were going to end up. And we spent a year around here. We came here because Arnie had been our pastor in uh, northern Minnesota, and again, I have high regards for Brother Arnie. Leona? While we were here that winter, I was asked to teach, and we said no. Um, mention was, Pete mentioned about coming to get to know the conservative side of the Mennonite church, and in my upbringing, I would say we were conservative. My wife's family was 
in their world conservative, but uh, not as we understand it today. And uh, my wife did not grow up wearing a cape dress at all. In fact, in their home church, they did not wear the veiling all the time. They wore it when they went to church, when they prayed at home for meals, and so on. But they asked if, if, if I would teach. And part of the requirement was, would my wife wear a cape dress when she came to Bible school? Now they said, we know that your wife dressed modestly, but would she wear a cape dress when she came to the building? And we looked at that, and then the style during those years, the style was very tight-fitting cape dresses, buttons and ribbons and bows, and all that sort of stuff, and we thought we were coming to conservative people. And we said, no. Because I would rather teach and have the question come, what is modesty? Rather than saying, what is modesty? Well, that's a cape dress. So we said, no. Uh... Midwest Fellowship asked us then if we would go to Michigan under their direction. One of the requirements was, would my wife wear a cape dress? Because that had been a flap in the church there. And so rather than making a, a flap upon a flap, my wife says, yeah. And we agreed that, and we knew that when we would, uh, when she would start wearing the cape dress, it was going to be a lifetime decision. It was not going to be on and off, on and off. No, it was a lifetime decision. That's what we were going to do. One of our children made a comment, Mommy used to wear a plain dress. Now she wears a cape dress. <laughs> we were in Michigan for a year, and then we went to northern Minnesota, and then it wasn't too long I was asked to come and teach again. Uh, at one point, I, I considered, actually started a little bit, um, counting how many years I had been here. But lest I be like uh, the king who counted his army, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, since then, I've seen records that says how many years I've been here. I won't go there. Many of those years was without my wife. Uh, Brother Homer and I uh, bunked together. Uh, that was a, an enjoyable time. One of the old men that used to be here taught many classes. And as been said, it was a blessing to me to be able to be here to teach because it made me study. Uh, taught most all of Old Testament history. I taught uh, future things. Uh, taught the church, victorious Christian living, and so on. And I enjoyed teaching. And almost every year, almost every year, there was a revival among the students at some point during the term. Almost every year that I was here, that was true. Today, let me share with you a little bit. As I look at Maranatha Bible School today, brethren and sisters, it is inevitable that Maranatha Bible School is going to go the way Midwest Fellowship goes. That's inevitable. I went to Rosedale. Dan Schrock was there. Arnie's been there. Del Culp and his wife were there. Uh, Joni Schrock and his wife were there. We all went to Rosedale. Back then, Rosedale was decent. It's inevitable that Rosedale went the way it did. Because Rosedale was run by the Conservative Conference. And the Conservative Conference elects the board. The board sets the standards. And the board chooses the teachers. It's inevitable that Rosedale went the way it did. And Maranatha Bible School is going to go like, like Midwest Fellowship goes. I was interested here a few years ago. In this body. There was discussion about the veiling. What kind of veiling? Should we have? Should we allow this? Should we not allow this? And so on. And in my mind, I'm thinking, brethren, you've lost it already. As I observe the congregations. And I love being at the Bible School. I love my time here. I love the fellowship here. I just throw that out. Um, and uh, one thing I want to encourage you about, Maranatha Bible School. It is run by churches. Churches committed to gather, of a, of a united fellowship to gather, and so on. As I observe other Bible schools, I won't name names, the Bible schools that are run by committees, 
Somebody from this church, somebody from that church, some this fellowship, some that fellowship, some this conference, some non-conference, and, and all that. And when all these students get together from all these different backgrounds, I'm okay, you're okay. And there is not the, the strong teaching of the local fellowship and the local uh, structure the structure of the local congregation. I think we have something good here. Let's keep it. And along with that, as you choose your teachers, may I, continue, may I encourage you to continue having pastors being the teachers. There's something about a God-called pastor who has a burden for the local church. He carries a different message to the students rather than a teacher who has an academic knowledge but he does not have that responsibility for a local congregation. I understand all pastors are teachers. I just want to encourage you in that note. Maranatha has had a big influence on our family. My six children have gone here. My grandchildren of uh, that age have, have been here. Uh, I haven't been here to teach for a number of years. I'm not sure if I got too old or too senile or too radical. But anyhow, I haven't been here for a number of years. Uh, but I'm privileged that Tony is able to come and teach now. And uh, I am very encouraged. We have young men, young teachers that are on track. Keep it up. May God bless you as you continue on. Thank you. Tim and I enjoyed serving here together several years. Time is uh, is up. I'm going to give Eric the final word and then a chorus. Keep it short.